0: Well, I was asked last week if I'd spend a little bit of time talking about the subject of sowing and reaping. It is a subject which we find discussed a number of times within, actually both within our Old Testament and our New Testament. Uh, And sometimes we find that this phrase is used in a very positive context. Sometimes we find the phrase sowing and reaping is used in a very negative context. Uh, And it is interesting for many who would, if you were to go online and to begin to look at the teachings about sowing and reaping, oftentimes what you will find is, is um, those teaching about sowing and reaping only do such from a positive aspect. Uh, the problem is, is that they give a very misguided view as to what the Bible teaches about sowing and reaping. Uh, and again, there are examples of both positive and negative contexts regarding sowing and reaping. And so let let me just really quickly look at one example uh, by specifically looking at sowing the Word of God as opposed to sowing the commandments of men. We know that sowing the Word of God results in the kingdom of God. And we could go and we could look at the parable of the sower as recorded there in Luke 8, Luke 8, verse 5 through 15. And Jesus begins to help them to understand this parable that He's talking about as He's uh, explaining to them what the seed is. Listen to Luke 8.11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. So, what is being sown here in the parable, or being spread out, is the Word of God. Now, here we find that the context regarding what's being sown, the Word of God, we find it is extremely positive. When the Word of God was, was being preached on the day of Pentecost there in Uh, Acts chapter 2, we know that it resulted in just Christians, right? It didn't result in those in other religious groups. There was only one faith. It was the Christian faith, as we find recorded in our New Testament, and that is what sowing the Word of God yielded. Further, we know that when it was kept, the Word of God, uh, it it kept Christians faithful, okay? That same word, whether it was preached in the first century or whether it's preached in the 21st century, has the exact same effect. When it falls on honest and good hearts, it's going to have the same result. Now, on the opposite side of the coin, remember I said there's both positive contexts regarding uh, sowing and reaping, but there's also the negative contexts within our Bible regarding sowing and reaping. And a good example of this, as opposed to sowing the Word of God, would be sowing the commandments of men. We know that that brings vain religion. Here we see the negative effect of sowing and reaping when one sows man's commandments as opposed to sowing the word of God. Listen to Matthew 15, 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now when you're preaching the word of God, it results in the kingdom of God, it results in Christians, and when they keep that word, we have faithful Christians. But on the opposite side, when one begins to teach and mandate the, uh, the commandments of men, what we have is vain worship. And these type of doctrines and teachings, they're going to simply produce a plant that's going to be rooted up. That's what those seeds uh, will, will dissolve into. They will be plants that will be rooted up. Matthew fifteen thirteen. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Now the seed, the Word of God, which God did plant, that's going to endure forever. <clears throat> but the commandments of men, that seed which is being spread by many, that will be rooted up. And since the Word of God and the commandments of men are opposed to one another, it is not logical, nor is it biblical, for one to think that they can take the Word of God and the commandments of men and that they can intermingle them together. Uh, if they do such, they will, reap, they will reap condemnation. Listen to Galatians 1, 6-9. And he's specifically addressing those who are, who are uh, spreading the opposite of the Word of God. Galatians 1, starting in verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Let me pause. Anytime you begin to change anything about our New Testament, you're perverting the gospel of Christ. You begin to interject men's commandments into that, you're perverting the gospel of Christ. If you begin to remove portions of that inspired word, because they contradict with the commandments of men. You're perverting the gospel of Christ. In essence, to make it simple, adding to or subtracting at all from our New Testament teaching is perverting the gospel of Christ. He goes on, and he gives the warning here. But though we or or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed... As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now, it's pretty simple. If the Word of God produces Christians, then and that's the gospel that produces Christians, somebody teaching another gospel is going to produce another religious group. They're not going to produce Christians, and Christians only following the Bible. They're going to produce something else. Now... As we've already shown in the parable of the sower, to reap is to gather a crop. And I think most of us know what that is. And to sow means to plant seeds. And we can look throughout the Bible, and we oftentimes find that sowing is used as a metaphor for one's actions, and then reaping is used as a metaphor for the results of those actions. And again, we have an understanding of that in our logical day-to-day life. Uh, if I leave the stove on and the, and the flame out, there's a good possibility that the resulting action may be something catches on fire, right? Every action has, an, has a, another reaction. And that's really what we're being taught within our scriptures. Now, again, oftentimes people will apply this phrase ultimately just, just to this physical life. But the Bible deals with things of a spiritual nature. And so we can be certain that it also deals with things of an eternal nature we're not just talking about reaping what you sow in this life although that is true we're taking this also to a a next level and we're talking about this on a spiritual level talking about our eternal salvation and as with all matters of, of a spiritual nature the teaching of sowing and reaping is one that it needs to be extremely taken seriously uh, and it needs to be verified with our scriptures Again, listen to Luke twenty-one, eight, and we have a warning here. And he said, "Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, 'I am Christ,' and that the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them." Now I chose this verse uh, just to give you the understanding that Christ has told us, and not just here, but in other places, that as Christians we need to be very aware that we're not being deceived. We find it in other portions of our inspired Scripture. Uh, In in Luke 2, 21, 8, He's giving a warning to His disciples to verify that there aren't people deceiving them. Uh, And we find this particular warning being given a number of times throughout our New Testament. And as we begin to examine these warnings, again, not to be deceived, we, we realize that there's really a couple of ways that we could be deceived. One, it's very possible for us to be deceived by other people. Let me give you a biblical example. Listen to 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. All right, John makes it very clear here that it's possible for man to deceive us, right? And so we need to be very careful, just as Jesus has warned, that we're not being deceived. So sometimes we are deceived by other people. Sometimes the problem really is self-deception. It is oftentimes possible for us to deceive ourselves. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3.18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Now Paul says it's possible for us to deceive ourselves. Uh, I think what happens is, is oftentimes man is so set on believing what it is that he wants to believe, that he literally can deceive himself. Now, I've known a number of people who believe things that were contradictory to what's found in the scriptures. Uh, And the thing is, is they've deceived themselves to think that they can oppose the will of God and yet not uh, reap destruction to themselves. Again, it seems to me that almost every single person I talk to thinks they're going to heaven. And a a great many of those people are living in ways that are totally contrary to the scriptures. They've deceived themselves to think that they can do whatever they want, as opposed to God's will, recorded in the Bible, and that they're not going to reap eternal destruction. They've, they've simply deceived themselves. Now let's talk a little bit about sowing and reaping corruption. I hate to say it, but the majority of people around us are sowing and they are going to reap corruption. Listen to the old, I'm going to start off with an old testament passage. Listen to Proverbs 22.8. He that soweth iniquity, that word there is, uh, could be rendered as sin, he that soweth sin shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. Now we could look at a number of passages talking about sowing and reaping destruction to oneself. But that's exactly what we find over in the New Testament when we go over to Galatians 5 verse 4. Listen to what Paul tells the Galatians. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now he's not saying that anybody who follows law is fallen from grace. That's not at all what he's saying. The epistle here was written to Christians, and and so this is a warning to Christians. In context, these were Christians who were actually uh, intermingling Old Testament law with New Testament law. Now, some of them even binding the Old Testament uh, Jewish system and, and tying it into their Christian faith, saying really you had to come to Christianity through the, uh, through the Jewish faith. But the point I wanted to, to show here is, is it's possible for Christians so as to fall and reap corruption unto themselves. It's not just for Christians. Those who are non-Christians, although they really do not understand this, they have already, they are constantly reaping corruption to themselves. All of the things they are doing, which are contrary to the requirements within our New Testament, which is, which is a requirement for all men today, they're simply reaping destruction to themselves. And, but it's not just them. We oftentimes within the church, we talk about those outside the church, but... Guys, the problem exists also for those even within inside the church. Many even today who are Christians are reaping to themselves corruption to the point where they have fallen from grace. It was happening in the first century. It's still happening today. Listen to 2 Peter 3.17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now that word steadfastness, if you look it up in the Greek, uh, is talking about stability, right? You, you have fallen from your own stability. And you may be wondering, I don't understand really what he's trying to get across here. If you believe error, if you, and he's talking to Christians, if you believe error, you're no longer stable because you have left the standard of the Word of God. The idea is, is you have become unstable. You have fallen from your own steadfastness. At one point you were stable... You were in alignment with God's will, but, but now because you are uh, uh, being led away with the error of the wicked and you're involved in those things which are opposed to the will of God, the standard, you're no longer stable. You have become an unstable person. As we begin to talk about this in, in this next topic, it, it deals with not only Christians, but it deals with the non-Christian. But we're going to look at what is written to Christians. And we're going to talk about sowing to the flesh... Sowing to the flesh results in corruption. Listen to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? He's going to begin to give us a list here. And then he tells about people who do this. And let me point this out. These things that he's going to mention, these are done by Christians. Uh, These things are also done by non-Christians. The result is the same in both cases. Uh, All unrepentant sin is going to be um, accounted for. Again, listen to Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, There's additional sins that he could have... The list would have been too long to list them all. And such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What are they doing? They are reaping corruption. They are sowing uh, through the works of the flesh, and they are reaping corruption. Now, as we talk about sowing to the flesh, certainly we're talking about carrying out the works of the flesh. And he makes it clear that... Anybody who begins to engage in these types of things, these, these acts of sowing to the flesh, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Paul says over in Galatians 5.20 that one of these things is what he calls heresy. Heresy is a, is a uh, which is false teaching, that is a work of the flesh. And therefore, because heresy is false teaching, those who are partaking in false teaching of false doctrine. They are reaping corruption to themselves. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Let me break it down simpler. Anybody who is teaching things not found within our Bible, teaching another gospel, as we mentioned earlier in this lesson, uh, they're guilty of heresy. Those guilty of heresy are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you may be saying, well, I kind of get an idea of heresy. What exactly is that? Well, first of all, we've already mentioned it, it's false teaching. But heresy, if you actually look up the definition of it, you'll find the, the Greek word is being defined oftentimes as disunion. And you may say, that's not a very good definition. What, what, why does it mean disunion? The idea is, is that the teaching is not in union with the Scriptures or with the will of God, and thus it causes division between the teacher of heresy of that heresy and God Himself. right? There's a disunion between them. But not only is there a disunion between the teacher of the heresy and God, there is a disunion between the faithful follower of God and the one teaching the heresy. There is is disunion in uh, a number of aspects. And so any person or any group which is teaching things contrary to the Scriptures, and again this would go back to what Paul was talking about when he talked about another gospel Any person who is teaching things contrary to the Scriptures is is guilty of heresy. Paul says that they that do such things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They are reaping to themselves corruption. Now, sometimes the matter, uh, and we actually saw seditions, uh, but sometimes the matter is not actually a matter of doctrine. Sometimes the matter is actually a matter of, of opinion. And oftentimes you'll have one who is forcing or pushing their opinion on somebody else uh, to the point where it creates a a faction or a splitting of the body within the body itself and let me give you an example Um, it's very clear if you were to begin to talk about when we are to worship now the bible doesn't tell us what time to worship but the bible does tell us when to worship you could go over to acts 20 verse 7 and upon the first day of the week when the disciples gathered together. Well, when did the disciples gather together? Well, on the first day of the week. Uh, When did they give the collection? Well, it was a a part of their gathering on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. But you could have someone who would be opposed to that. When I grew up as as a Catholic, uh, they had worship on Saturday. Now, if I were to pull the priest to the side and say, hey, worship's not authorized on Saturday, and he said, in this case, it is a doctrinal matter, and he said it is, uh, we would begin to have a we're, we're at a, we're at a disunion. One, because he's not in alignment with the will of God, but two, uh, there's now a disunion between him. I'm adhering to the word of God, he's not. It's causing a split, right? And the same thing could happen for carpet color, a non-doctrinal matter, right? Uh, <clears throat> somebody wants blue carpet, somebody wants red carpet. Congregation is split over it. Uh, they begin fighting, and you've got the congregation split in the middle, and now all of a sudden you've got somebody enforcing or mandating something that is causing a split within the congregation. You could have divisions or even heresy uh, on doctrinal matters. And in those cases, the person that's doing that is bringing corruption. They are sowing and reaping corruption upon themselves. Now, that's the bad side of it. There is also the sowing and reaping to the Spirit. Let me start off with an Old Testament verse, just like I did before. <clears throat> Proverbs eleven eighteen. 18. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. All right. What are we talking about? Well, in the Old Testament, very clearly the context here, we're talking about the makeup of a righteous lifestyle. Okay? And the same thing is really taught for the Christian within our New Testament. Um, A lifetime of sowing and working and striving and praying and trying to help other people. That brings an eternity of joyous reaping. I'm going to go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, as we talk about sowing and reaping to the Spirit. And again, this is oftentimes misunderstood by many people. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You may be asking the question, how do I... How do I sow and reap to the Spirit? Well, we sow to the Spirit by by obeying the teachings of the Spirit. Well, what do you mean? Well, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by inspiration, gave us the Word of God. We've already covered the Word of God and how there's the Word of God and another gospel. Here we learn that if we sow to the Spirit or the Spirit's teaching, right? we follow the gospel, we've already shown what that results in, as opposed to those teaching something else not by the Spirit. He's describing here that those who reap uh, or sow to the flesh shall reap of corruption, but the opposite side, those who sow to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. It's another way of so- showing what we've already looked at. Those who sow the Word of God are going to result in the Kingdom of God, and those who live faithful to it are going to reap everlasting life. But those who sow the commandments of men, they follow the commandments of men, they have eternal damnation. Again, we're seeing this pointed out here. Uh, The the idea is is if we want a sure reward, we have to follow the teachings of the Holy Spirit, or we have to sow and reap to the Spirit. The idea, again, is, is is to work righteousness. Listen to Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him, well, how do we know if he fears him? And worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now, he makes it very clear here. It's not just having reverence for God or fearing him. That's how it's being used here. He's showing there's something else involved with that reverence. And that reverence is the obedience uh, of God and of God's inspired word, which works righteousness. The idea here is, is that we are keeping the commandments of God. Now... That is the expectation for all men. The reason that's the expectation is, is because if we keep the Word of God, we're going to reap to ourselves uh, everlasting life. Listen to another Old Testament passage, and then I'm going to use the New Testament as we talk about the expectations for all men. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's the conclusion of all that the book of Ecclesiastes was about. Fear God. Again, we're talking about reverence. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's exactly what he's saying there in Acts 10, verses 34 and 35. It's the same thing we find taught over in 1 John verses 2. Uh, sorry, 1 John 2, verses 3 and 5. Listen to verse 4. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. All right. So oftentimes, people, when they talk about sowing and reaping, they really only talk about uh, in the positive or the negative aspect. But that's not all that is to it. Uh, let me break it down this way. I could talk about a farmer uh, who is out sowing seed, right? And we could talk about whether he sowed good seed or bad seed. That's a good way of breaking down what we've already looked at. But it's not just what kind of seed the sower puts out there's also the understanding of how much seed he puts out Uh, he could throw out one or two but his crops going to be very small and it may be it may be it could be a very small crop of all good or it could be a very a very small crop of bad but it's still a small crop or he could put out a bunch of seed he could broadcast it everywhere and in that case he would have a plentiful crop of good or a, if it's bad seed, a plentiful crop of bad. So let's talk about sowing bountifully as opposed to sowing sparingly. <clears throat> All want to reap a bountiful eternal harvest. If, if they're claiming to be Christians, that's their goal, right? I want to, I want to reap a bountiful eternal harvest uh, when they stand before the judgment seat of God. But that depends on not only what they sow, but also how they sow it. I'm going to go over to 2 Corinthians 9.6. 2 Corinthians 9.6. Paul tells the church in Corinth, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You take the Christian who claims he wants to be a faithful follower of God, if he sows very sparingly with his time and his ability and his resources uh, and his righteous works, uh, if he's doing that sparingly, he is depriving himself really not only of the abundant life here, of all the people that he could have impacted, for example, by teaching the gospel or by helping in whatever sense he could and trying to draw people to the church. Uh, He also not only deprives himself of this life here and the good that he can do, but also his eternal harvest and really all the people he could have brought with him, right? Jesus declares this in the parable of the sower, and he begins to give an explanation of this parable in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 40. And there are a lot of people who wonder why maybe this life isn't as good as they thought it would be, or, or maybe why uh, they're not happy with their lives. And there could be a number of reasons but that, but... Here's one of the things. It may be that they're not getting a whole lot out of this life because they're not really putting a whole lot into it. Congregations oftentimes wonder about why they're not growing. Well, the question would be, to what extent are you sowing the seed? Right? If you only throw one or two seeds out, you're not going to have a big crop. You're not going to grow the kingdom of God. You've got to broadcast the seed everywhere. And again, the same thing happens individually. Oftentimes, Christians are wondering why their life is the way it is. Well, it may be that they're not putting a whole lot into uh, living the life of a faithful Christian. Word is so plentiful when it comes to the work of the church. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He's talking about sowing bountifully. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, a farmer could take a bag of seed, and he could throw that seed, and he could, he could sow bountifully, and he may even get done, and right, at, right afterwards, he may not think he's done much. Uh, he, he may not think the yield is going to be very much. Guys, it doesn't always happen overnight. But as one who grew up on a farm, as you begin to wait, you can see that your, your labor wasn't in vain. Right? You can see the final result, and it's the same thing when we begin to go out and we, we sow the Word of God and we draw people to the church. It may not even happen as, much as, as often and as fast as we want, but our labor is not in vain. Now, we have focused primarily on the Christian, although we have focused a little bit on non-Christians and how they will, also seep, uh, they will reap to themselves corruption. And so we have to have this understanding here. Sowing and reaping occurs for all men. Uh, some people, when they look at this, they, they really just keep this in the perspect- perspective of the Christian. But all men are sowing and reaping. Again, I think that the majority of almost all people that I've come in contact with, they have this view that, that God pretty much is just going to allow anybody into heaven. The idea certainly is popular. Uh, it's not true. Uh, and we can't even be deceived into thinking that it's true. I've even talked, in, I've even talked to those who claim to be Christians, uh, some even claiming to be members of the, of the Lord's Church, who really didn't think it mattered all that much uh, what church you went to or what faith you followed. Well, one of the things we need to understand as we begin to talk about sowing and reaping and, and what, uh, what our actions, whether they're good or bad, are going to result in. One of the things we need to understand is, is, is neither individuals nor opinions are going to be our judge, right? Jesus is going to be the judge, and He's already dealt with this over in Matthew 7, 7, verses 13 and 14. Listen very closely. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Let me pause. There's people who are reaping to themselves destruction, right? And many... Many there be which go in thereat. Many around us, and, and I said this earlier, they are reaping to themselves destruction. Notice this. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. We're talking about those reaping everlasting life, what we looked at a little bit earlier. And notice this. And few there be that find it. What's he saying? The majority of people around us, they are reaping to themselves destruction. They are sowing destruction in their lives, and they are going to reap eternal destruction. Many of them are actually reaping destruction in this life uh, and paying for through a number of consequences. But on a greater scale, and even more important is, is they're reaping to themselves eternal damnation. Let's slide on down to Matthew 7, verses 21 through 22. He really makes this even more clear. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right? They're going to reap to themselves destruction. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The people that do the will of God, we already talked about the Word of God, how uh, it came through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how we reap to the Spirit. Those people are going to enter into heaven. The people who aren't doing the will of God, again, they're following another gospel or no gospel at all. They're reaping to themselves destruction. And listen to verse 22. Is, in my mind, I basically hear the pleading on the day of judgment. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? These are religious people. Well, it's very clear as we continue to read this, they're religious, but they're following another gospel. They're not following the doctrine of Christ. They said, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils or demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And guys, it's sad as we continue to read on where he says, depart from me, I never knew you. They reap to themselves destruction they thought they thought they were doing God's will but they weren't and because they weren't doing God's will he said depart from me the Bible actually listens going over to 1 Corinthians 6 the Bible lists a number of people who are not going to go to heaven and again I know that that comes across as is harsh people don't want to hear that and I told you most people when they deal with the subject of sowing and reaping they really only deal with it from a positive aspect and certainly the Bible does present portions of reaping and sowing in a positive context. But they can't leave out the negative side. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, we'll read down to verse 12. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, can you list to me, Paul, some of these things that are considered unrighteous? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, that's uh, having sexual relations to with anyone to whom you are not married, which would also include adultery, that's unrighteousness, nor idolaters, that's unrighteousness, nor adulterers, more specific, sexual uh, relations between two people who are not married again, but in this case he defines it clearer for us, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, these are homosexuals, this is the masculine party of the homosexual and the feminine party of the homosexual union, Uh, that also is unrighteousness. Nor thieves, stealing, that's unrighteousness. Nor covetous, nor drunkards, that's unrighteousness. Nor revilers, nor extortioners, notice this, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And some may say, man, I'm doing those things now, or I have done those things. I mean, is there no hope for me? That's not what Paul says at all. Paul says, and such were some of you, right? You used to do those things before you were a Christian, but you're washed Ye are sanctified, that word is set apart, right? You can't do those things anymore as a set apart follower of God. You've been cleansed, but ye are justified. To be justified is to be righteous. Ye're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, right? We do it. We do it as we live according to the inspired scriptures given by the Spirit, our Holy Spirit. And he says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Well, he makes it very clear here. Go on over to Galatians chapter 5. He makes it very clear here that there are a lot of people who aren't going to go to heaven. They are are sowing corruption and they are reaping destruction. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. We already talked about the works of the flesh, but let's go back and remind you one more time. And this really lines up with what we just looked at. If you're watching this and you're involved in any of these things, whether you're a Christian or not, you're reaping to yourselves corruption. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. Those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel are gonna be gonna be punished at the judgment. Now it's very clear as you go back and look at that. That's what he's getting us to understand. In 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22, we have an understanding there that those who fall away from the Lord, they're not gonna go to heaven. Both of those passages are making it very clear that, that what we sow and how we sow is going to determine what we reap. Right? The idea again here is is, not only in the first century, as we have these warnings in Second Thessalonians chapter one verse seven through 9, Second Peter 2, 20 through 22, there were those in a state of unrighteousness, just as today there are those in a state of unrighteousness and they are going to reap destruction to themselves if they do not access the forgiveness of God. Now, you may be saying, well, I I do some of these things now, and I've just come to the understanding I'm reaping destruction to myself. Well, what can I do? Well, let's start off with the non-Christian. It's pretty simple. The non-Christian can have forgiveness. That's available if they'll simply obey the gospel. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6.11 again. We've already got the understanding as, as we've looked at Paul's words. There were those who, before they became Christians, they were doing those things. Right? He says, "...and such were some of you," 1 Corinthians 6.11, "...but ye are washed." right? I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but we're talking about the act of baptism, which is done for the forgiveness of sins. Right? Their sins are gone. They've been washed away. "...ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God." Again, why, why, uh, why are their sins forgiven? Well, again, as I mentioned in Acts 2.38, uh, baptisms for the remission of sins. If you're watching this and you say, well, so is that all I have to do? I have to be baptized? No, there's more to that. In the conversion accounts, we do find the same thing. They were taught the Gospel, Romans 10.17. They believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, John 8.24. They had faith. Hebrews eleven six, 6. They had an understanding of sin, which we're talking about now. And because they understood sin, they also understood Jesus' command for them to repent, Luke 13, 3 and 5. They understood that they needed to confess Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And they, know, they, they knew that they had to be baptized or immersed in water for the remission of sins because Jesus declares that in Mark 16, 15 and 16. Peter says the same thing, that they need to be uh, baptized uh, for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. We learn that's how you get into Christ, Romans 6, 3 and 4, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, and we realize that, that baptism does save. It's part of the process of be- being saved. That is the process by which one has their sins forgiven. But here's the thing. Many people have had their sins forgiven. They have obeyed the gospel, and yet they are, they are engaging in acts which are still reaping destruction to themselves, right? So the the Christian also needs forgiveness. Uh, I'm just going to go over and read 1 John 1.7. But if we walk in the light, the light, as we go back and study, is referring directly to the Word of God. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. It's the blood that cleanses through baptism, through the death, burial, and the resurrection. Uh, That's how you contact the blood. And that same blood continues to cleanse after you've become a Christian. Now, in both situations, whether you're not a Christian or whether you are an erring Christian, you are sowing and reaping destruction to yourselves. But there's a way to deal with it. If you're not a Christian, obey the gospel and be faithful. If you are a Christian you find that you're in error, again, return to faithfulness. Repent of what you've done. Walk in the light. And as we saw there, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. This hasn't been a very long lesson, but let's break it down like this with one final verse. And, and this is a verse we've already looked at. Because all men are going to reap what they sow, we need to remember Jesus' warning. Luke 21 one eight and he said take heed that you be not deceived. My point would simply be this, you can't go do whatever you want. We've already looked at the Bible verses that make it clear you've got to do the will of God if you want to go to heaven. And that means that you've got to obey the gospel and then you have to be faithful. Now I've already given how it is that one becomes a Christian I didn't spend a lot of time on it, and so if you've heard that and you're interested in learning more, please contact us via email or through our phone number. You can leave a message, and we'll get back with you. Uh, and and if, if need be, and if we can find a faithful congregation in your area, we'd certainly help you find a, a faithful church to attend. But if you're watching this and you have obeyed the gospel, but you realize you're in the process of reaping, sowing and reaping destruction to yourselves because you're not faithful... I would urge you to come back to a state of faithfulness and righteousness. Uh, Continue to be a faithful follower of God and walk in the light. Again, if there's a way that we can help you in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Portage Church of Christ.